Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Holmes, CNN correspondent in for David Chalian, and this is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Thursday, August 24th. Former President Donald Trump is surrendering today to state charges in Fulton County, Georgia, related to his efforts to stay in power after he lost the 2020 election. I've got you covered with the latest on this case, and David Chalian will share his thoughts on how the first Republican presidential primary debate went. I am currently in Bedminster, New Jersey, near Trump's Bedminster Golf Club. The former president has just left, and he's going to the notorious Fulton County Jail just northwest of Atlanta, where he will surrender in the fourth criminal case brought against him this year later tonight. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis charged Trump with 13 counts, including racketeering, conspiracy charges, and soliciting a public official to violate their oath of office. 18 co-defendants have also been charged and have been turning themselves in all week, including former Trump chief of staff Mark Meadows. He turned himself in today after a federal judge said he had to, even though he has a hearing scheduled on Monday to move his case from state to federal court. Willis said all 19 defendants have until tomorrow to turn themselves in or risk execution of an arrest warrant. And before turning himself in, Trump made an 11th hour change to his legal team. He replaced his top Georgia lawyer, Drew Feinling, with Stephen Sadow, an Atlanta-based attorney whose website profile describes him as a special counsel for white-collar and high-profile defense. We are expecting this to be a very quick trip in and out of Atlanta, and he will be back at his Bedminster Resort later tonight. And unlike his first two arraignments, there's no big celebration planned for when he returns to his club late tonight. It's still pretty unclear how he will be booked. He may very well be fingerprinted. His mugshot might be taken, something he's been fundraising off of with his most loyal base. We will have the very latest on CNN.com and we'll break down what happened on the podcast tomorrow. The former president and his legal team have agreed to a $200,000 bond and other release conditions, including not using social media to target the co-defendants and witnesses in the case. A new court filing shows Willis has requested an October 23rd, 2023 trial date. That would be in two months. And CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig explains why this date doesn't seem plausible. That's absolutely unrealistic. That's not going to happen. Here's what happened in this case. We have 19 charged defendants. One of them so far, Mr. Cheesebro, has invoked his speedy trial rights, meaning he's entitled to have his trial start by November or so. And what the DA said today is, fine, I'm going to try all 19 of you together in late October. The problem is, while any defendant certainly has the right to say, I want my speedy trial right, you can't realistically force the ones who don't want that speedy trial right to go to trial that quickly. This is a case involving millions of documents, all sorts of video surveillance. There's no realistic way any defense lawyer can be forced to go through all that in less than two months. Last night, Trump spoke in a pre-recorded interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson on X, formerly known as Twitter, that was published right before the first Republican presidential primary debate. He dismissed the 91 charges he faces across four separate criminal cases. I got indicted four times. It's all bullshit. I think it, it's a lot easier because I'm, I'm so high in the polls because it means the people get it. The people see it's a fraud. Trump, who still refuses to accept he lost the 2020 presidential election, claimed without evidence his political opponents would try and steal the election in 2024. Speaking of the 2024 election, I'm going to let David Chalian take it from here with analysis and takeaways from last night's primary debate. All the tape you're about to hear is from Fox News. 
I wanted to get some quick debate takeaways to you all before I hop on the plane here in Milwaukee and head back to D.C. But clearly, this was not quite the debate stage we anticipated seeing. We thought maybe that Ron DeSantis, given his position in the race as the number two, would be the place where most of the attacks were coming. That was not the case. It was actually Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. Who really absorbed that center stage heat and got into a lot of clashes back and forth with Mike Pence, with Chris Christie, with Nikki Haley. Some of which may work to his advantage, some of it which may not. But what was clear is that Ramaswamy used this opportunity to introduce himself to probably the largest Republican primary voting audience that he has had to date. But as I mentioned, his opponents were quick to pounce on his performance, on his lack of experience and readiness for the job in the Oval Office. Listen to Chris Christie, Mike Pence, and Nikki Haley here. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. The same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. You're watching America less so you have no foreign policy experience, and it shows. Now, the question I have about Ramaswamy in this moment, he's clearly going to get a lot more attention. Maybe he'll get a little bump in the polls. He also is going to come under a lot more scrutiny than he has ever faced from the press, from voters, and we'll have to see how he handles that level of scrutiny. But the big question about his candidacy is he is so clearly occupying the Trump space. I'll tell you, I'm not a politician, Brett. You're right about that. And I do think Brett is going to take an outsider. So without Donald Trump on the stage, he was sort of a placeholder. But do we see any movement from Trump supporters and voters who say they prefer Donald Trump over to Ramaswamy? Because that is going to be the pool of voters from which he is most likely to gain support. And yet we know Trump's got a real grip on his voters in this primary. If you have a broken car, you don't turn over the keys to the people who broke it again. You hand it over to a new generation to actually fix the problem. That's why I'm in this race and we're just getting warmed up. As for the former president who wasn't there, well, Fox News moderators waited about an hour to get to a short 10-minute-ish segment on the former president and his prosecutions. And there was a question asking for a show of hands as to which candidates on the stage would still vote for Donald Trump, even if he is convicted of some of these crimes that he has been accused of. Six of the eight on the stage raised their hands. Asa Hutchinson didn't raise his hand. And Chris Christie indicated with his hand that he wanted in to speak on the subject. He wasn't raising his hand in support of Trump. Here's what he had to say. Whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong. The conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, 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 you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Mr. 
It's worth noting that Mike Pence proved to be the most experienced debater on the stage. He had the greatest amount of talk time of all the candidates. He was quite aggressive, much more so than we usually see from Pence out on the trail. Uh, He was there to play, and he did not shy away from his differences with the president over the January 6th insurrection. He also didn't shy away from being the most ardent pro-life candidate on this stage. I promise you, as president of the United States, the American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. A 15-week ban is an idea whose time has come. Mike Pence probably did himself some good here, at least buying himself time. Maybe some donors who have been on the sidelines see a little bit of life in Pence and they get off the sideline. He's, he already has qualified for the second debate in California. And clearly, Pence is not ready to just fade from this race, given how difficult his task is from here to the nomination. He made that clear with this debate performance. Nikki Haley also had quite a good night. She landed a lot of her sort of rehearsed lines with skill, such as when you heard her go after Ramaswamy on his lack of foreign policy experience. She also had a speak truth to power moment early on in the debate when talking about the economy, where she, as she does on the campaign trail with frequency, says this debt and deficit situation that the United States faces is not just the making of Democratic administrations. She went right at Republicans and Donald Trump specifically. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. Look at the 2024 budget. Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. Haley was clearly trying to portray herself as sort of the grown-up on the stage, perhaps positioning herself more for a general election electorate than the Republican primary electorate. And that's the big question here. Does her traditional conservative interventionist foreign policy, does her attacks on Donald Trump's profligate spending, does that play to the primary electorate of 2023-2024 that has been so reshaped in Donald Trump's mold? That is exactly why you hear Ramaswamy making the kind of appeals that he is making. That is the question that hangs over a candidacy like Nikki Haley's. Is there enough room in today's Republican primary electorate to have somebody with this sort of traditional Reagan-esque, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie approach, is there enough room for that in Donald Trump's Republican Party? And I would just note that Ron DeSantis played it safe on the debate stage. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. He didn't get the attacks, as we mentioned, and therefore, at times, he just seemed like the rest of the pack. So if Ron DeSantis was trying to utilize this debate to more securely take hold of that second place slot to emerge from the debate as the clear, singular alternative to Donald Trump, that did not happen last night. Now, he probably did no harm to his candidacy. He had a fine performance, but he did seem part of the pack and not in a tier of his own. And that is probably not where he wanted to be the day after the first debate. 
The second debate is set to take place at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California, on September 27th, just days before the critical third fundraising quarter comes to a close. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.